You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse. Here's your host, Dr. Farhad Zangana, Medical Director of the Endocrine, Diabetes, and Osteoporosis Clinic, EDOC, in Sterling, Virginia. Dr. Zangana also serves on the Board of Directors of the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists, AACE. I'm Dr. Farhad Zangana, your host. With me today is Dr. Anthony Cannon, board-certified internal medicine and endocrinologist, He heads a private practice in Hamilton, New Jersey. Dr. Cannon is a member of the American Diabetes Association, the ADA. He's a member of the African American Initiative Committee, the ADA Philadelphia and South Jersey Community Leadership Board, the American Association of Continuing Medical Education Advisory Board, a member of the ADA, and the National Medical Association. He's also a member of the American Association of the Clinical Endocrinologists, ACE. Today, we are discussing childhood obesity, sugary drinks, and the diabetes epidemic. Uh, Dr. Cannon, thank you uh, for joining us, and welcome to the program. Thank you for letting me chat with you. Uh, So today, we're discussing childhood obesity, and uh, I let you uh, kind of lead in and tell us about childhood obesity and what's going on. Are we doing better? Are we doing worse? And uh, what are the consequences of this? Childhood obesity is now at epidemic proportions in America. We are also seeing an epidemic in overweight children, and much of this has to do with sugar-related beverages that our children and our adolescents consume. I am very much uh, interested in minority uh, communities of adults and children and the relationship of what we eat, how we eat, and exercise or don't exercise to the development of prediabetes and diabetes. We have an epidemic of diabetes, both type 1 diabetes and now type 2 diabetes in this high-risk group of children and adolescents. And I believe much of this has to do with an an imperative that we are consuming in terms of total energy uh, intake much too much in sugary uh, drinks, which represents as much as 15% of the carbohydrates that are ingested for total energy needs throughout the day in this high-risk group, particularly Hispanics and African-American populations. It used to be a time that, you know, when someone said, I have type 1 diabetes or I have type 2 diabetes, uh, the general statements were type 1 is uh, for younger uh, folks, uh, lean, and type 2 is for older folks who are overweight or obese. Uh, is this uh, the generalization still true, or we have issues with this? We have issues, and these issues are are incredible. We have young people, we call them having type 2 diabetes of youth, um, who are principally of minority persuasion, Hispanic and African American, American Indian. But more recently, we're seeing an explosion in uh, white population in the adolescent years, post-pubertal. This is up to 20,000 Americans with this disorder that we had not seen or recognized as recent as 10 to 15 years ago. The SEARCH trial, which is a huge uh, epidemiologic trial that looked at the data to support uh, these numbers of 200,000 individuals under the age of 21 with diabetes. 180,000 approximately are type 1, but um, we are now seeing obese adolescents and children as well as adolescents with this disorder called type 2 diabetes of youth. And this was not described once again until recently. These young people look like their parents with type 2 diabetes, 
but 30 years to 40 years earlier than would be expected. Interesting, interesting. And also, too, uh, I read someplace that now puberty is arriving at an earlier age uh, for boys. We know that it arrived at an earlier age for girls. What are the implications of that, and is that related to this epidemic of obesity? In my opinion, it is. If you really track um, the last 25 years of research in this area, um, we've had a, uh, a likelihood of early and earlier uh, uh, puberty uh, based on other factors, nutritional and otherwise. But now we're overly nourished. We're seeing these young people coming in with um, massive obesity by childhood standards and having up to a year to a year and a half earlier onset of puberty, which is deleterious. Um, in fact, there's been calculations that these young people will have metabolic disorders, including diabetes type 2, um, increased rate of heart disease, and in some instances, even cancers based on the weight of puberty. There's good epidemiologic data to support this notion, both in male and females. And when you reach puberty at an earlier age, ultimately you're going to be shorter. And when you're shorter, I Absolutely, think you... Absolutely. Your maximum adult height will be affected. And we're beginning to see this in, in longitudinal studies in the Mexican-American-based Hispanic population. And it is very worrisome because there's nothing we can do as physicians to change this beyond getting the children to lose weight and to improve upon their metrics, such as their blood sugars, such as their lipids. Uh, and this requires a great deal of behavioral modification in their communities, in their homes, in their schools. And much of this has to do with physical inactivity uh, associated with increased calorie intake. And once again, my emphasis here is on sugar-sweetened drinks. I mean the energy drinks. I mean the carbonated and non-carbonated drinks. So we've been uh, kind of chatting about uh, environment, uh, sugary drinks. Uh, can you also comment on uh, what, other, what other behavioral modification? What about physical activity? Does it have a role? Physical activity is paramount. Um, if we really look at the lack of physical activity in our young people, both children and those who are adolescent, we're seeing record proportions of sedentary behavior. They look, they act principally like their parents. We right now are estimating that one in three adults in this country at the year 2050 will have diabetes. We're also estimating that 79 million Americans or more will have prediabetes. Our estimates for populations are variable in 2050, but it will be somewhere between 330 and 350 million Americans. This is a substantial number of people at risk. The need for changing social determinants and that includes safer streets for people to walk for exercise in tough neighborhoods, um, getting away from what we call deserts, food deserts, where you don't have access to fruits and vegetables in the inner city. We have got to find ways to make people walk more, eat better, and decrease the rate of their weight gain, which we're seeing as an epidemic. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Farhad Zanganeh, and I'm speaking with Dr. Anthony Cannon, and we're discussing the recently published studies regarding childhood obesity, sugary drinks, and the diabetes epidemic. Dr. Cannon, if, for example, you're listening to this program and you're a concerned parent, what actions would you take uh, to uh, try to prevent this, or what is your advice to these parents? I would say right now, because the treatment of type 2 diabetes of youth which is my emphasis this, this afternoon, 
Um, it's very difficult to treat with limited medications that have been FDA approved. We have a need to do more prevention. And prevention really starts at the home and the parents taking the lead. Uh, a lot of these uh, children are in single-parent households, making it difficult with mom working more than one job. But we have to make a priority that the children cannot continue to consume excessive calories in the way of sugar-laden drinks. We need to get into our health care providers to sit down and look at growth charts and discuss plans that are culturally sensitive, culturally specific in terms of dietary habits. Uh, additionally, we need to remove the soda machines in, in places where children are. We have to also consider limitations on how much of these drinks they can have on a, a per-day basis, per-purchase basis, such as we're seeing with Mayor uh, Bloomberg in New York City. Highly controversial limitation of calories based on these sugary drinks to 16 ounces, but I think there's credibility there. We have to look at these social determinants and make the right decisions for families and whole communities at risk. That's a good, good advice. So uh, we talked about exercise. We talked about sugary drinks. What is the role of genetics in the development of childhood obesity? This is excellent, excellent questioning. I, I'm really amazed by how rapidly we have begun to unravel the genetics of diabetes type 2. Um, we estimate about 4% of individuals with type 2 diabetes have a classic genetic model. So what about the other 96%? I am now convinced from a recent paper in the New England Journal of Medicine that we're beginning to understand the role of the environment and genetics and that there are members of our population, particularly those uh, we have studied of Latino origin, that are very, very susceptible to the weight gain based on the fat content that they gain percent uh, compared to individuals who don't take these sugary drinks, that we are promoting genetic tendencies within that subpopulation for obesity, metabolic syndrome, and type 2 diabetes mellitus. And I believe in the next few years, we'll have it worked out for all racial groups, looking at tendencies that are genetically related based on the environment in which they live in. Let me just also uh, get your thoughts on this. We talk about genes and environment. Is it correct to assume that the environment that the baby, uh, the infant, spends in the first nine months, that environment, let's say you're an infant of a diabetic mother or infant of a gestational or a pre-diabetic or obese or just say metabolic syndrome, is that environment also uh, important or it, it really doesn't matter? I think it really, really matters. I think the, li- the literature is overwhelmingly supportive of this. If you think about the placenta as a, as a, co- a colander and that you're seeing what mom sees nutritionally, if mom's poorly controlled type 2 diabetic uh, or pre-diabetic for that matter, and you have e- exposure to excess glucose transplacentally, this will encourage the babies to make excessive amounts of insulin to combat the extra uh, food stuff in the way of glucose the babies get big, bigger intrauterine. You follow those babies into early adolescence, you see more diabetes than you see in a child who's at risk with a mother without that confounding variable of diabetes or prediabetes. Absolutely. Uh, so as far as therapeutic options, we did touch base on the need to uh, prevent and the need to um, uh, intervene regarding physical activity, exercise, and um relocation of soda machines. Can you comment on juice? 
Is that also considered a sugary drink or is uh, fruit juice okay? Absolutely. Much of our, our ingestion of sugar-related beverages, be it carbonated or non-carbonated, we're looking at different types of sugar than we ever have. There's a great deal of literature that supports the notion that the types of carbohydrates that we're giving our children, these sugary drinks, the fructose and, and, and sucrose-based um, uh, entities, tend to lead to more weight gain, particularly in the way of fat. They, they tend not to be registered by the brain, the eating center, uh, in ways that other carbohydrates, such as solid carbohydrates, would. So our children, our young people, our adults are consuming excessive calories in fast foods in association with these sugar-laden drinks. And I think it really is imperative for people to understand that the sugars today that we have for the convenience of the manufacturers are different than what we consumed as in our childhood some 25 or 30 years before. So I think that's a very good point. We're gaining weight with empty calories, and it's causing us not to be sated. We're eating tremendous amounts of calories in association with the sugary drinks uh, leading to the obesity epidemic in both uh, children and adults. My recommendation is usually to my patients, eat less, eat slow, eat smart, and exercise more. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. If I can add an, uh, an addendum to that, I tell patients who eat out at, at diners and other places where they tend to give too many carbohydrates, when you eat out for dinner, ask for the lunch menu. This was uh, very enjoyable and very educational and informative. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. Anthony Cannon. Thank you so much for uh, being with us today, and uh, we'll hope to uh, speak with you again in the near future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download this segment, go to reachmd.com forward slash diabetes.